turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Are you an independent? Are you none of the above? Are you politically homeless? Are you open-minded enough to listen to Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, and hear his opinions about masculinity in America? Because that's coming up. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. So welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Josh Hawley is out with a book called Manhood, the Masculine Virtues America Needs. It's been lauded. It's been criticized. It's been ripped to shreds by the left, as you might imagine. It's gotten all kinds of critiques. Every author does, right? I want to talk to the author himself about what is really behind this. Uh, There are a lot of people I respect who believe there's a crisis of masculinity in America and others who say, bah, no such thing. And others still who say men are the oppressors and the patriarchy must die. The dog Jersey doesn't agree with any of them. He's a boy, by the way. But I've got news for men and women. Genucel has upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep firming vitamin C serum plus ultra retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative. And right now, take advantage of this limited time package upgrade for 70% off, 70%. Why waste time and money to get work done to your face when you can get Genucel skincare shipped right to your door? Here's a review on Genucel.com from Robert in Blessing, Texas. I purchased Genucel as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw results so fast, we joined the concierge program immediately. It's honestly the best skincare she's ever used and is extremely impressed with all the Genucel products. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. I can see and feel a difference too. She was already beautiful and Genucel has made her more beautiful. That's so sweet. I agree. I love the products. Genucel's Secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types. And it's perfect for both men and women. So, Robert, I hope you're using it, too. Made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, always cruelty-free, always natural. Now, go to genucel.com slash Michelle. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. Save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package featuring both the Genucel Ultra Retinol and the Genucel Firming Serum. Do not wait. Go to Genucel.com slash Michelle with one L. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Again, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Senator Hawley, thank you so much for joining us. The book is Manhood, the Masculine Virtues America Needs. Uh, Grateful to have you with us. I think the reaction to your book has been varied and wide. Uh, Why did you feel the need to write it? Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. I am a father of three, two boys who are 10 and 8, and then a baby girl who's now two. And I wrote it really because of my boys. You know, as they reach that age 
where they are increasingly influenced by popular culture and the entertainment industry and so on, I, I started thinking more about what is my obligation as a dad to help my boys become good, strong men, the kind of men that we need in this country, the kind of men that they were meant to be. And the book really grew out of that. It's it's interesting. I've had a number of guests on this podcast who believe that the, the the this term toxic masculinity or you know oppression of the patriarchy are are doing damage to men and yet critics would say oh poor men oh you poor poor guys you're so oppressed aren't you you're so sad and it's sort of like well you know roles seem to be fluctuating these days and it, it's I, even my husband commented to me the other day he said well men aren't really allowed to be strong and tough anymore aren't they they're just it's not allowed and it kind of is this this overriding feeling that the that the acceptable masculinity at least here in america has changed how have you seen it alter well, I think what we've seen is for several decades now, we've seen a, a message that has come from academia. It's come from the American political left. It's come from the entertainment industry that says that all masculinity is toxic. And it tells men, maybe especially young men, that just by being a man, they make the world a worse place, contribute to the injustice of society and so on. My message in the book is that is a fundamental mistake. Men have an incredible ability to better the lives of those around them, to transform their families and their communities for good if they will accept the responsibilities that are out there for them, the responsibilities of being husbands and fathers and providers and living in a self-sacrificial kind of way. That's really what the book is about. So I think that hopeful message is what we need to call men toward. And so do we need strong men? Absolutely we do. We need strong, good men in this country. You kind of draw a line between sort of two groups of people. Uh, one is sort of the Epicurean liberal class who just, hey, I do this. I want my life to be happy. I want to be having fun all the time. I'm going to live for myself and my dreams. And then this other kind that is, I think, a little bit more, for lack of a better term, biblical. That is, I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to be true and virtuous to my family, to my wife. Um, is it is it that stark a contrast or is there an in-between that I'm missing? No, I, th I think that's right. I think that is the contrast. And I think that what you've seen from the modern left in America is an ethic that basically says a couple things. First is, is that the universe, the world is basically without meaning. So if you want any meaning in your life, you got to make it. And the way you make it is just make yourself happy. And I think that that turns out to be a pretty empty philosophy. And I think you can see that with young people today, maybe especially young men. I think we should send young men a different message, which is that the world needs you. You were meant for a purpose. And at the core of your purpose is taking on responsibility. We need you to be responsible for the people that you love. We need you to be responsible for working and bettering the world. And if you will do those things, young men, if you'll take on that responsibility, you can live a transformative life. You can change your life. You can change the lives of those around you. But it really begins with accepting responsibility, accepting duty and service to others. By the way, I don't hear you excluding women from accepting responsibility or having duty. I mean, it, 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 it certainly women can accept that role as well, right? Totally. And, you know, this is something that my wife has pointed out to me many times. Uh, my <laughs> wife is an attorney, uh, Michelle, and we uh, we met actually working for um, the U.S. Supreme Court. But, you know, my wife has pointed out to me in relation to this book, she said, you know, strong women 
want strong men. Why? Because they're not stupid. And her point to me has been a strong woman doesn't want a man who's not going to contribute anything. She wants somebody who's going to contribute something to the partnership, to the marriage, going to contribute something to the family. And I think our message to men and young men needs to be, hey, be a guy who contributes. You know, be a guy who your spouse can depend on. Be a guy who your children can depend on. Be a contributor. If you do that, again, your your options are limitless. The power of, of transformation in your life is limitless. Limitless, but you got to make those choices. And I think for men who are saying, "Oh, well, you know, I, I want to. How do I find somebody who's going to be a strong woman?" Hey, be somebody who she can depend on, and who will your strength will empower her, and her strength will empower you. And I I've, I've certainly seen that to be true in my own life. Yeah, it's it really is interesting. And again, uh, there's there's a Richard Reeves who writes a lot about masculinity, and it's it's sort of um, changing role in society. And I've had him on and I found him to be fascinating as well. And what, what I've seen in, in my life is, is just, I, I can recall sort of having my checklist of what I wanted my life to look like so that when I died, I would die at peace with what I had done with my life. I really did set up a checklist many years ago. One of the things on it was to have a family. I knew that would make me happy. Um, I knew that would be something useful. I got so deep into my career at a certain point, but I remember feeling like this doesn't matter because I don't have anyone to share it with. I don't have anyone to build a life with. And I have found so much more gratification out of a partnership where the two of us are very much, uh, I'd say, equals in in terms of the, the power quotient or whatever you want to call it. But we both bring different assets to the marriage and to the parenting of the kids. But it's we're two strong people who have a very clear vision of how life should be, how we want it to be, and that we don't walk away from responsibility. But that's just been my experience. I just wonder where this idea has come from that men should be sort of and, – and you see the portrayal of men in a lot of entertainment these days is they're, they're kind of – kind of wimpy they're kind of like being bossed around i i don't get it i where do you suppose this started why well i think it started decades ago and i think it it goes back to the idea that there's nothing really good about men i mean it goes back to this idea that all masculinity is is toxic i quote one liberal professor in the book who says that talking about healthy masculinity is like talking about healthy cancer and I think that view that we, we look at that and you think, oh, that's extreme. But that is a very common view, particularly in academia, and it has filtered its way down into our popular culture. You look at the portrayal of men on sitcoms, television sitcoms in the last 20, 30 years. This has been studied and quantified. The overwhelming number of the portrayal of men is either that they are absent and completely irresponsible or they're idiots and make every situation worse. And so you, you have this, again, the, this sort of zeitgeist that portrays men in this way. And then that leaves many young men, you know, where their ethic is, well, I, I want to be entertained, you know, so pursue entertainment, pursue whatever gratifies me in the moment. Again, I think we need to say to young men in particular, listen, there's more to life than entertainment. If you want your life to matter, then you're going to actually have to sacrifice something. You're going to have to take on responsibility. You're going to have to live for other people. And that's really, that, that's not a loss. Your life will be incredibly enriched when you mm. stop living for just yourself and you start living to make the lives of those around you better. I couldn't agree with that more. As my husband always says, 
Put everyone, there are four of us in this house. Put everyone ahead of you, put yourself last. And if each one of us does that, we're all going to be, we're all going to do great. So that's kind of how we try to approach it. Uh, Tony Dungy, uh, the, the, the Hall of Fame head coach who won a Super Bowl with Colts and is a dear friend of mine, has often talked about fatherless homes. And I think this yeah. is quantified as well, that we see what a crisis this is in America where so many fathers are giving up the role of being a dad, uh, the role of being in the house with the child uh, or children. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, this is all aside from, you know, households with two dads or two moms, or uh, that is a totally different choice. What I'm talking about is a single parent home where the dad is either completely absent or around very little. And, uh, you know, uh, there are many scholars who will point to welfare and the whole welfare system and as being sort of the culprit for encouraging this kind of of behavior what what have you found well first of all let me just underscore what you said about the importance of fathers the truth is if we want to really tackle the problem of childhood poverty in america we have to get fathers in homes providing for their children providing for their spouse. If we want to tackle the problem of youth violence, which is growing worse in this country, especially among young men, we need fathers in homes and neighborhoods. I mean, the data is just really, really clear on this. So I think it, I think it is absolutely critical that we underscore that and that we point that out and, we, and that we call men to it and say, listen, again, you can, if you, if you want to make a difference as a man, be a father. If you want to make a difference and leave a legacy, be a husband and commit yourself to something that is bigger and broader and more meaningful and purposeful than you are. What do you say to the critics who have said, ah, this is just, you know, an uber conservative, he's evangelical approach to uh, the roles of men in America. And it, uh, you know, and he hasn't lived up to that. If you look at his record and I, I mean, I've been reading a lot of the reviews, whereas I've found this to be something that I think, would be a great resource for people and inspiring and encouraging. Others have seen it as they will in today's society, right? Completely differently. So how would you answer those critics? Well, I would say that, first of all, when it comes to, to being a Christian and, and looking at the Bible for inspiration, guilty is charged. I mean, that that's true. <laughs> that's 100% true. And, and in this book, I'm very open about what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to look at the sacred worldview that the, the Bible presents and look at great stories from the Bible, great stories from American history, sto personal stories from my own life of men who have been good role models, good, strong men. So that is that is absolutely true uh, in terms of, of living up to it. You know, I would just uh, living up to the to the, uh, the the model of the book, uh, probably guilty as charged there, too, in terms of nobody's perfect. And I certainly I'm not perfect, but I think that that is hopeful for all men. I think men know, look, any, any father and husband knows that he's not perfect. I mean, I think yeah. that's one of the worries that men have, right? It's like, oh, you know, as a dad, like I should have said that and I didn't. As a husband, I should have been there and I wasn't. I've screwed it up. And I think part of the hope of I hope this book and certainly the hope I found in my life is you don't have to be perfect. What really matters is you lean in and you try. And when you fall off the horse, you get back on and you do it again. You know, when you screw it up with your kids, hey, go back at it. Spend more time. You know, you mess up as a husband. Okay, you fix, you own your mistakes. You try to fix it. You get back after it. And I think for men, what we find is, is that if we'll spend the time, if we'll make the investment, however imperfect 
it turns out that that can have remarkable, remarkable effects. And that's the hopeful part. To me, this is all about hope. This is about the fact that a man can change his life and he can be a force for good and empowerment in the lives of those around him. And I think men today, especially young men, they want to hear that message. They need to hear that message. And we need to call them to that kind of hopefulness. Is there an opportunity missed here? And I and this is purely just coming to my head. I'm I'm trying to look at all angles, Senator. It, we it it's kind of bumming me out that America is losing a lot of its religion. I'm currently I've been telling people I'm reading and it's taking me forever. Ron Chernow's biography of George Washington, which is phenomenal. Yeah. A man who made many mistakes, owned up to them, sometimes didn't. Uh, but was, and he wasn't, uh, he didn't wear his religion on his sleeve, but he was a spiritual God-fearing man. I mean, he, he believed in prayer and the whole country for crying out loud was, was based on a lot of Christian ethos, but there are, it's a declining number in America. Is it, is there a risk in trying to reach out to young men in biblical terms when so many young men don't even know what they are? Yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons in the book I, I try to go back and tell these stories from the Bible, and I try to assume that that many readers, most readers, and especially probably young men, won't necessarily be familiar. You know, I mean, I'm sure they've heard of people like Abraham and David and right. Solomon, probably know the name, sure. But it, one of the reasons I think it's important to tell good stories, Michelle, and that's the bottom line here. Try to tell stories of good, strong men and hold them up as role models. The Bible is a great source of wisdom. Our American history is a great source of wisdom, and we can look to our own lives. And I try to do all of that in the book. But I do think, to your point, that there's something especially powerful about stories of faith, particularly ones that have resonated so much in our history. You know, whether we're talking about Washington or Lincoln, you know, probably our most spiritual president ever, Abraham Lincoln. You know, the, the stories of the Bible were so powerful for him and in his life and in our history. So I think there's a power in telling those. They've been very meaningful to me, and I talk about that in the book. But I also think even if you're not a religious person, you say, I'm, you know, I'm not a person of faith, that's fine. You can still appreciate a great story about a great role model and think, what can I learn from that? And that's why I tell them. I will say again, and I've said it just anecdotally throughout the last many years that I've been delving deeper into public policy and politics and culture, the people that I meet who are people of faith <laughs> tend to be far happier and far more successful than those that have absolutely none. And that's, again, it's anecdotal. I haven't done any serious research on this. It's just, I notice it. And it it's brought me, uh, it's given me sort of a, a curiosity into my own faith journey a little bit more. Before I let you go, speaking of strong men, um, it's hard for me to believe that our current president, Joe Biden, is is even running for reelection. He does not appear to be strong in any way, shape or form, physically, mentally. Um, do you think he will be the, the candidate from, for the Democrat Party uh, regardless? It seems to be. I mean, I, I'm, I am not a Democrat voter, uh, so I won't have the opportunity to vote in their primary. But, uh, but Michelle, if I had to lay a bet, I would bet that he is going to be the nominee. It's hard to deny a sitting president the nomination. And, and uh, if you want me to predict on 
my side of the aisle, the Republican Party, I would. I, I would yeah, I would predict to you that Donald Trump will be the nominee for for much the same reason, in the sense that he is essentially the incumbent president on the Republican side, the, the incumbent candidate. And I think he'll be the nominee on this side and it'll be Trump Biden in 2024. I wonder how much it's going to matter that Trump would be he can only serve one term is that an ideal situation for a a candidate when you've got a number of young people running for the for the for the nomination who are really promising I think it will be a very unique campaign and if he's elected re-elected it would be a very unique presidency for exactly that reason Michelle I have not heard very many people notice this, but I think you're right to notice it. It would be the first time in any of our lifetimes where we have a presidential candidate who can only serve a single term. And if he's elected, it'd be the first time in any of our lives that you've got a president who can only serve for one term. I think that that would very fundamentally change his presidency. How? I'm not sure because we haven't seen it. But just as a student of history, a lover of history, uh, it's been a heck of a long time since uh, we've been in a circumstance like this. And uh, I I think it'll make for a very, very unique campaign and will have a significant effect. It sounds to me like you are supportive of of the former president of Trump. Yeah, yeah, between uh, between Biden and Trump, there's no doubt where my where my vote will be cast there, Michelle. I will support between uh, those two. But as we head into the primaries and we look at all these Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, we look at Tim Scott, we look at Ron DeSantis. uh, And I haven't even mentioned all of them. uh, Is is Trump your guy? Well, I just I think he's going to be the nominee. I mean, I really do. And that is nothing against anybody else who you just named. A number of those folks are, are good personal friends of mine. But I just think, Michelle, that he is going to be the nominee. I think the moment that that Democrat prosecutor in New York came after him uh, on charges that uh, I think, frankly, are are trumped up, you know, trying to charge him with a federal crime that has never been charged before, doesn't exist, related back to campaign finance violations, this, that and the other. I really think at that moment, he made that prosecutor made Donald Trump the nominee in 2024, because I think Republican voters, just as I talked to, I could be wrong, but as I talked to people in my home state and around the country, Republicans, they just say over and over, we are not going to let that prosecutor or any Democrat choose our nominee. It's got to be Trump. So I just think it's going to be Trump. I will support him and uh, we'll see where it goes. I think it'll be a heck of a campaign. It's going to be fascinating. I don't know if it's as simple as just it's going to be Trump. I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be a really interesting next uh, several months, to say the least, with the first debate coming up in August. Um, It's great to talk to you. Congratulations on the book. Again, Manhood, the Masculine Virtues America Needs. You can agree with it, disagree with it, but it's worth the read. And I would say it's probably a really good Father's Day and graduation gift. How about that for a plug? I love it. Thank you for having me. Yes, Senator, thank you so much. He is Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. I am Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for listening. As always, be brave and do good. Thanks. 